I'm back. Uh, turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 13. We're starting a new series today called The Last Word. The Last Word, and it is a study of John 13 through John 20 as we go into these six weeks leading into Easter Sunday. John 13 is the beginning of uh, the Passover, the Lord's Supper, that Thursday night where Jesus eats with his disciples. Um, and John 20 culminates with Jesus rising from the dead. And it's called the last word because if you're like me, uh, you might like to fight and you might like to have the last word in that said argument. And we all know what that feels like if you grew up with siblings. I was the older brother, so I was always right, even if I was wrong. Um, and if you're, you fight with your parents and the last word usually means you, just, you didn't lose. I think oftentimes... After reflection, we know that in any argument that ends with one person still talking and one walking away is, is not a win, but you didn't lose. Um, so we all like to get the last word. And if there's one thing that parenting a one and a half year old boy has taught me that I don't get that ever again, um, especially with food. Um, CJ, my son, is a year and a half old and I love him so much. So much so that I will cook him delicious meals um, usually what we're eating now that he has teeth and can eat whatever he wants and I will cook it up, whatever the protein is or chicken and you know, he has this, this plate that basically suction cups to his, uh, his high chair um, and it has all these little compartments so you know, you fill it all with it and you present it to him and you're like, hey buddy, doesn't this look good? Give him his little fork and his little spoon and sit it down and we'll sit down and eat with him and usually he'll try something. Sometimes he likes it but then there's some times where he just goes, and puts it back, and then, you know, you need to eat that, buddy, you're not getting anything else. And then, you know, that ends up being from the mouth to the floor while he makes eye contact with me. My goodness, parenting is sanctifying. When a, everybody who's laughing knows exactly what this feels like. And then you hold on, and you're like, you're not getting anything but what I put in front of you. And then 10 minutes goes by and he doesn't eat anything and then you start thinking about, do I want him to sleep through the night? And the answer is absolutely. So you get a breaking point um, and if you're a parent, you know pouches win, man. I don't know if when I was a kid there was a thing called the pouch, but it is a lifesaver. It is a fruit smoothie with vegetables hidden in it that you just give a kid and you're like, here's 100 calories, go to bed. It's that or blueberries, but he, like, he, gets, the, he gets the last word. He wins the argument because I want to sleep honestly, um, but he wins and I'm realizing that you just like, kids fight dirty and you can't win. Um, they really do. So I'm learning a lot through that. But we all want the last word. And so as we're thinking what to call this, it's uh, it, Jesus gets the last word. This is legitimately, he sits down at dinner and these are the last teachings we have out of his mouth. His, his last interactions with the disciples. It's his last prayer that we see, prayed for the disciples and for you and me. His last, uh, his trial and how he interacts with, with Pilate. Um, and then ultimately when he goes to the cross and then we get to see him rise from the dead, which is ultimately the final and last word. When Jesus says it is finished and that's, he utters up his spirit, he, he wins, we win. There's finality there. That is the last word. And he really put a stamp on it when he rose from the dead. Um, and so that's what we're looking at. We want, as we go into Easter, this is almost like an advent for Easter. Like we're building up, like Easter is the most important day. Without that Easter Sunday, we're wasting our time. Like Jesus rose from the dead. Yeah. Do you believe it? Yeah. 
and it should change the way we do everything. Um, so as we're going through this, I want you guys to really lean in. If you would have gotten this at the lobbies, um, there's this booklet. If you didn't get one, please get one after the service that Miss Tina made. Um, but it has all the scripture in it. It has place for notes, and it has questions that as you read um, these chapters, even I hope you read them before we come together, and asking questions. What does this teach me? What, what does it do? What can you be praying for? But bring this every week. Write all over it. Take notes. Today especially is gonna, I have been, contemplating this passage of scripture for two weeks a lot and asking myself a lot of questions and it really does take us looking uh, inwardly and examining and asking questions as we look to Jesus, as we look to Jesus. Because we are being formed into the image of Christ. So we must look to Jesus because he's the goal of what life should be. Jesus is the goal of how my speech should sound and Jesus is the picture of what my serving should resemble. If we're being formed into the image of Jesus Christ, we need to start looking like Jesus Christ a little more every single day. And we're promised that um, through the Holy Spirit that happens. So as we look at this, this is kind of an intro for these, these six chapters. There's two big themes I think we should um, look at in this study. And they're both found in chapter 13, verse 1. Two overarching things I want you to consider every week every week that we go through this. And so 13 verse one starts, before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. So the first thing I want us to notice is that Jesus was patient and gracious in the midst of his hour. I, I've been thinking about this so much. We're, chapter 13 to chapter 20, or when Jesus dies on the cross, we're talking 18 hours. And we're talking from the time he starts talking at this dinner, we got 10 to 12 hours before the beating starts. Jesus is in the final hours of his life. And I want us to look at the, like the anxiety, the weight. I know like we don't even understand what non-sinful anxiety looks like, but we're told that Jesus, when he's praying, is, is sweating blood. Like the weight that's on Jesus Christ to know that he is about to be crucified in a few hours. So... Don't let that slip from your mind as we look at what he's telling us. Like imagine that, like the trial of his life, his hour as it's called. And we just came out of that, out of the book of the Daniel and we, we saw it so much. And Dustin said, and we all know this to be true, you're either in a trial, you're coming out of a trial, or you're about to go into one. And we see that in the book of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow down to idols and that's why I love that we sang that song, because if it puts me in the fire, I'll rejoice because you're there too. They said no, um, and they went into the fiery furnace, the ultimate fire, the ultimate trial. And then Daniel later in his life, what a cool story. They made a rule just to catch him in it that says for 30 days, you can't pray to anybody else. You got to only pray to the king and worship him alone. And David, Daniel's like, cool. I'm going to go up to my house and open my windows and I'm going to face Jerusalem and I'm going to get on my hands and knees and I'm going to pray just like I always do. And it didn't matter because in this time, in this trial, it matters how you go through it. So how you go through a trial, how you respond, how you communicate to those around you is so important. And God is using that. And God used the story in Daniel, uh, all of those stories in there to show what faithfulness looks like and that we will not be abandoned in our time of need in fire and in trial. 
So during the study, observe Jesus. Like we're gonna look at how he talks to the disciples with that weight, with that agony of on top of him. How he is gracious with people. How he is, he's meek, he's gentle um, in everything that he does. And it's on purpose. The second thing I want us to look at is found in verse one, the second half. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Love requires others. Love requires others. Jesus sums up the law by love God, love others. And I want us to grasp this idea that you can only grow so much spiritually alone. I believe we can, we can be stifled or stunted in our growth. It is when loving and serving other people comes into play that you take it to the next level because that's what Jesus did. If I'm being conformed into his image, he uh, received and poured himself out for others, for the disciples, for everyone he ministered to, ultimately for us who put our faith in Jesus Christ, he poured himself out and gave his life. So love requires others, real love, the love that we're gonna look at during this thing. So if we can grasp those two things of looking at how Jesus dealt with this in the midst of his hour, and also know that we gotta love and serve others. That is our calling, that is what we do. And if you're not, you're missing the point. If what we're doing, if all the knowledge that we have is not leading me to pour myself out for somebody else, I am selling myself and the gospel short of what I'm called to do. So think of those two things as we go. But we're gonna dive into John chapter 13, one through 17. Um, stand with me if you're able as we read through this. Before the Passover festival, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Now when it was time for supper, the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, Simon Iscariot's son, to betray him. Jesus knew that the Father had given everything into his hands, that he had come from God and that he was going back to God. So he got up from supper, laid aside his outer clothing, took a towel and tied it around himself. Next, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet and to dry them with the towel tied around him. He came to Simon Peter who asked him, Lord, are you gonna wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I'm doing you don't realize now, but afterward you will understand. You will never wash my feet, Peter said. Jesus replied, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. One who has bathed, Jesus told him, doesn't need to wash anything except his feet, but he is completely clean. You are clean, but not all of you, for he knew who would betray him. This is why he said, not all of you are clean. When Jesus had washed their feet and put on his outer clothing, he reclined again and said to them, do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, you are speaking rightly since this is what I am. So if I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. Truly I tell you, a servant is not greater than his master, and a messenger is not greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Let's pray. Jesus, you are the word, and your word is power, your word is sufficient to soften our hearts, to save the lost, 
to conform us into your image, Lord. So I pray that through your word today, you would pierce all of our hearts, mine especially. That I would love for real, love the way that you loved and we'll be blessed if we do it. So Lord, I thank you so much for that verse that the messenger is not greater than the one who sent him because that takes the pressure off me, Lord. Um, So speak through your word, Holy Spirit. Convict us, save today, and may we as Orlando Baptist Church love one another the way Jesus loved us. Um, We need you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. I, uh, we've all heard this passage before, um, but I've preached several times, and this is the one where I was like, God, I just need you, like, sink it into my heart more than ever, and he answered the prayer. Like, I've been wrestling with this and crying a lot. Um, I cry so much now that I'm a dad. It's so weird. Like, (laughs) even the songs, I was like, I know I don't cry in these three worship songs, but I did anyway. Um, But man, like, this is, what Jesus does, we all can tell the story easy, but oh my goodness, like, it's radical. It's crazy. Me and Dustin listened to a podcast, and I've listened to it a few times, but this man just says this line that I've been repeating over and over. Behold the Son of God washing feet. If you come away with anything today, I just want us to walk out of here and say, behold the Son of God washing feet. It, it is a radical thing that Jesus did. It's even more radical because like, this was a job reserved for slaves. Like in this, in this context that we have, if I invited you over to dinner, or in this case, they're, they're enjoying the Passover, as you came in the door, I would have somebody waiting to wash your feet before you came in, as like a sign of, you're welcome here, is also a sign of, your feet are real dirty, don't get them in my house. But it was usually reserved for slaves, but non-Jewish slaves. So here we have God the Son, as Colossians 1 says, the man holding together the universe in his hands, the alpha, the omega, the creator, the eternal, the all-powerful, the word of God incarnate, doing a slave's job. Like, behold the son of God washing feet. And I just keep saying that over and over. Like, and beholding is not watch, it's not read, it's not look. To behold something is to like wrestle with it, to think about it, to say it over and over, to pray it, to, to, be, to get to the point where you're in awe, where it doesn't make sense. Behold the Son of God washing feet. And I, I just can't even imagine. Like, and it's something, what, what's even crazier is when someone will come to your house, you, you wash their feet as they come in. So imagine that we have the 12 disciples and Jesus here, um, and he... Usually when they come in the door, they wash the feet. So if these guys are all, you know, showing up at different times, you know, they get their feet washed at different times. They're all seated at the table. Jesus stands up, takes off whatever outer robe he had, walks over, ties a towel around his waist, goes and picks up a basin. All while they're watching, they're like, what is Jesus doing? Like, we prepared the Passover. Why is he, what's he doing? Uh, Filling up a bowl of water, walking back over, And I can just imagine Jesus getting down on his knees in front of the first disciple, and he just starts doing this. Like, God the Son washing feet. Twelve gross man feet. 
Like it's, and it, man, that's what I want us to walk away with is behold the son of God washing feet. Whatever that man has to say, I need to, I have to listen, I have to do it. Uh, and I want, uh, as we're talking about, when I started this sermon, you know, I was, you go in a direction of, well, I need to encourage all of us to wash feet. And I, um, I kind of threw that part away because I just want to stop and I want to praise those of you in here that I have seen who are washing feet. And you don't think anybody notices. Even in my own family, um, my mom and my aunt are taking care of my grandma who's, who is getting old. And it's been months and months and months of washing feet with no one looking. Um, there's people in here who have had to put their parents in homes to help take care of them. There are spouses in here who uh, their wives have had hip replacements in the last couple months and they're taking care of them. There's single parents in here who do this every single day and think no one sees. I just know that there, there's everybody in here. There's people who have, who have buried parents that have taken care of for three years. Like there are people who are washing feet and I want you to know I see it and other people see it. And, and how you go through a trial and how you do this speaks so much to other people. It's so important that in the face of a trial, in the face of fire, are we washing feet? And I just wanna say thank you. I love this church because I do believe people do it and do it faithfully and it's the small stuff. Like it's not the big acts that everybody can see. It's the everyday. It's the everyday things, the thankless things. But Jesus asks us to do it and shows us and he gave us an example. So praise the Lord that you're doing it and continue to do it. So I hope in this sermon, you'd, if you're tired and worn out today, that you know you're, you're going in the right direction. You might, you might be humanly weary and weak, um, but when I'm weak, he's strong. When I am weak, he is able. So keep going. But I want us all to ask this question and probably ask it every day. Are you putting on your towel and washing feet or are you bitter that no one is washing yours? And again, I'm preaching to me today a lot. Um, I should have said this earlier, but because uh, I didn't want to, yeah. Um, but praise the Lord, my wife is pregnant. Like, and I know a lot of people know, but yes with our second child, and I'm so excited. Um, and praise God, because we don't deserve to be parents, and it's, um, it's an amazing gift. Um, but just like her other two pregnancies, Chrissy was incredibly sick for the first two months. Two days after Christmas, she got sick. Um, and she gets sick, um, but then she also gets so nauseous and weak that she can't eat, which means she can't even pick up our son, which means she can't do anything um, she can barely move or ride in a car without getting sick um, more. So January especially kicked my butt um, because I was helping take care of my spouse, but we also, remember that boy I told you about? He's real. Um, and he's a year and a half old and a blessing. Um, but man, I, during that, it was washing feet. It literally was taking care of my sick wife, which is, it, it is that. But then there's, there's a time where you know, and I'm preaching to myself every day on this, I'm doing the right thing, but I felt bitterness creep in. And me asking that question, I was like, oh, like I'm exhausted. When's somebody gonna do something for me? Or just you, you, when you have those bad days, like when you got nothing left in the tank, like where you're just like, when is somebody gonna wash my feet? 
And praise the Lord for some of you, especially there's a lot of um, Chrissy's friends in the young adult ministry. I think she had new flowers every week um, from you guys. So thank you. Um, that means a lot. Oh, I cry so much. <laughs> um, but during that, I went through a dry season. Like when Dustin talked about that dry season, it was our, our finance meetings on Tuesday morning were a lot of praying and confessing to one another. It was a, it was a similar time. Um, but I was reading, like I did this challenge and praise the Lord he had me do it where I just said, you know, I was gonna do these things like work out every day, but read my Bible every day, my Bible reading plan um, and, and journal every day. And I was doing that. So whenever I had free time and would get CJ to bed, um, I would just have this time. So I knew in advance what I was gonna do. But even in that, I was like, man, I, I am dry. I was reading scripture, but I realized my prayer life was lacking. Like I just didn't have anything Sometimes you read those Psalms where David's just like, I got nothing, where the heck are you? That's how I felt a little bit. Um, but in that I found um, there's, there's a dichotomy when we go through the fire. When you go through whatever season you're in, you can be blessed or you can be bitter. And sometimes they mix together because we are human beings. And sometimes one day I'm very blessed, the next day I'm like, I don't wanna do this anymore. But John 13, 17 says this, if you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. That's promise number one in the sermon. Jesus says, you are promised you will be blessed if you do them. And he's talking about washing feet. He's talking about obeying him, putting others first. You will be blessed if you do them. So the big question today is, do I trust Jesus? Like, do I believe that? Do I trust him that I will be blessed if I do these things? Do I trust him that if I serve or do something for my neighbor and count them ahead of myself, do I believe like I'm gonna have a joy-filled life? And that's what we're promised here. And, I, and in that, man, I'm again taken aback by Jesus. He doesn't even address the question, what if I get taken advantage of? It's not in the chapter. It's just kind of like expect it. Like, yeah, you're gonna wash feet. Nobody washed Jesus' feet. Um, and we should expect it. And I am so shocked because like in human mind, I'm just talking to me again. If I know that I'm about to die and I got 18 hours until my final breath, this is not what that night would look like. I'm talking like we, we might be celebrating the Passover, but in that I might be like, hey guys, like this, this is my time. Can you guys gather around me? Do you mind praying for me? Like I'm really anxious, I'm really feeling it. Um, and it would be really cool if y'all washed my feet. Like, I'm like, I'm terrified. Like, I really, I need you guys right now. Like, my mindset would be, can you serve me? Like, even like death row last meal? Like, like that, that is the mindset that we have. Like, tomorrow's gonna be really hard. I need everything today to be about me. Like, exactly the opposite of what Jesus did. Not our savior. He came to serve. He came to serve. So we can be blessed or we could be bitter. We need to trust the Lord that we will be blessed. And there's the gospel all over this. Washing feet is a symbol of confession of sin because I'm gonna mess up every single day because I do. And Jesus is there to wash my feet again and again. But I want us to look at this. I'm gonna try not to cry through this. But Jesus was patient and gracious with Peter. And I want us to see through here. He was gracious and patient with Peter in verses six through eight. 
He came to Simon Peter who asked him, Lord, are you gonna wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I'm doing you don't realize now, but afterward you will understand. You will never wash my feet, Peter said. Jesus replied, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. Peter gets a bad rap a lot. We talked about this in the prayer thing this morning, but like, I mean, in a chapter or two, he cuts a dude's ear off. So he kind of has it coming. Um, he also, like, the end of this chapter ends with Jesus saying, you're not gonna die for me. You're gonna, you're gonna deny me three times before the rooster crows. But he gets it right here. Because I'm guessing the order of the, of the table, Peter was probably second to last. It says he was sitting next to John, uh, who was sitting next to Jesus. So I imagine Jesus goes this way and he gets to Peter, you know, the 11th disciple that he's washed his feet. And Peter says, you're not touching my feet, Jesus. Because I think Peter got this part. Behold the son of God washing feet. Like he saw it happen 10 times and he's like, Jesus, get up. Please get up and don't do this. Um, like he got it. And I'm just reading this and knowing, like, do I hate my sin enough or am I okay with Jesus washing my feet over and over again? Um, and Peter got it. Just get up, Jesus. You're the son of God. Do not wash my feet. But Peter, Jesus is so gracious with Peter. He's like, hey man, if you don't let me do this, you don't have a part with me. Jesus didn't say, sit down and be quiet while I do this. Jesus didn't throw his feet in the basin and make him do it. Jesus was gracious and patient, which caused a change in Peter. And over and over, Jesus is patient with Peter and it causes a change. And later we see he does deny the Lord. But when Jesus rises from the dead and they talk on that beach one day when Jesus is grilling fish, he says, he forgives Peter. And he asks him these questions three times, but not only does he forgive him, he restores him but through his gracious and patient words with Peter, he molds him into the rock that he said he, would go, he was going to be. Jesus told him a long time ago, I'm changing your name to the rock. I'm gonna build the church on you. And that guy doesn't really show up until after Jesus raises from the dead because Jesus uses this interaction, the next interaction, and the one after he raises from the dead to mold Peter into the rock that he would build his church on, that would preach Pentecost. Because that's not the same guy. When you read that, I'm like, my goodness, the Holy Spirit's powerful to do that through Peter. But Jesus molds him through this situation, through his grace and through his patience. So again, when we go through trials, when your hour is here, people are watching you. People are watching me when, tough, when life is tough, when you're going through it. Uh, and it's so important because how you interact with those around you, especially your immediate family, whoever's in your house or the people closest to you, how you interact with them when you're running on empty can either build them up or it can either tear them down. It can either glorify God or it can let the bitterness grow in you and then spread to those around you. We're promised trials. We're promised that life is gonna be hard. How we go through it and if we depend on the Lord matters because it can be blessed or it can be bitter. And we looked to Jesus here. So are you blessed right now? Are you washing feet? Or do you find yourself more bitter right now? And I think we can all find ourselves in those spots in different seasons of life. Um, but I've been wrestling with this question that really helped it, like how do I even start? So what's the number one way you wanna be served? Start doing that for other people. I think that really makes sense of like, what's the, like if I say, what are you bitter about right now? Like what's, 
What are you bitter that people are missing or not seeing? Start doing that for other people. Jesus washed feet. He didn't ask for his feet to be washed, but he was more blessed than if they did it. So we're promised that we're more blessed if we serve and do things for other people. Uh, I find myself, I remember a few years ago, I just got into a bitter season where I didn't feel appreciated in different areas of life where I just felt like, like nobody sees or cares what I do. Like I'm just, if only they knew, like those people. Like, you know, when you have those bitter things, you need to just argue in your own brain. Maybe it's just me and y'all are perfect. I don't know. Um, but felt underappreciated. So through someone, uh, my mom showed me this a long time ago and taught me to do it. But like, I just started writing thank you notes to people. Like, I just started serving people. Like, if I'm not being appreciated, I'm just gonna start appreciating people. And oh my goodness, it worked. Like, it literally, like, I could feel it ripping bitterness out of me. Because I was like, and I was blessed to do it. Now it's like my favorite thing to do. I didn't want y'all to clap for me, but... I love, like, I love writing thank you notes. Um, I love getting to call people. It's my favorite time of the week now. Miss Sunday on Thursday mornings just gives me like four people to call with a little note in my calendar that says why. And it's my, I look forward to it. Most of the, sometimes I do it on Wednesday because I'm so excited. Um, but it, it's simple things to wash people's feet, whatever that looks like, because it's small. Um, but like, we gotta be weird. Like washing feet is weird. Like it's slave work. Like what, what does that look like in your context? And I want you to figure that out. Ask yourself that question, but it really starts with those people closest to you. Because if we can't figure out, if I can't figure out how to love my wife and my son, how is that gonna go past it to you guys? How's it gonna go past it to anybody? Like we gotta start in our circle and figure out, like if I'm desiring to be served and served and served all the time, like I'm getting it wrong. I'm missing out on blessing. I need to serve other people. Man, I remember the first couple times, this is definitely not in my notes, um, that I would preach, I would try to be like, uh, this week, because I'd like, do my normal thing, and then I, I was like, I have to sermon prep. I need to like, contain myself, because there's more hours in the, in the week, I need to not meet with people or do things. And now it's the complete opposite. I'm like, I'm preaching, people are coming over every day. I wanna pray with people, I wanna talk to people, I wanna do all this stuff because I know like it's blessing and it's not that I'd like figured it out. It's like God molded me and helped me through the Holy Spirit to know that we need each other. And, and being alone on purpose is missing the mark. You are stunting your own growth. So start with those closest to you, whatever that looks like, your workplace, your Bible study, your family, your friends, your community group, like lean into it, it's messy. You're gonna get hurt. I'm gonna hurt you, I'm gonna disappoint you. But if we're all at least looking to how to serve the other people, like we're moving in the right direction. We are being conformed into the image of Christ. I am not the image of Christ right now, but I'm getting there hopefully every day by committing my way to him and seeking him. Promise number two, if you didn't believe me enough, verse 34, I give you a new command. Love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. That's a promise again. You're blessed if you do it, but Jesus promised, if you love each other the way I just showed you, if you wash people's feet with nothing in return, everyone will know. Not the people in the church building, not your wife, like everyone. Like, that's all the people, everybody. Everyone will know if we get this right because it pours out of here, because it's weird. 
They're like, man, these people serve each other and don't really care what happens. Like, they like being taken advantage of. Like, it's weird. But that's what we're called to do. We're called to stand out. We're not called to conform. We're called to run to the fights. We're called to love and serve one another. We're called to help and give our money to people in the Ukraine. Like, that's what we're called to do. So we have that promise that everyone will know. But imagine today if we really trusted Jesus, because he leads by example. Having loved his own, he loved them to the end. And praise the Lord that he lives forever. That's the end. Like, we get to live with him for eternity if we are in Christ. It didn't just stop there, but he loved them to the end on earth and after his resurrection, and he will love us to the end and hold us. His death and resurrection are sufficient to hold us. His blood is sufficient. And he is our example. Because um, here's the truth, as we're talking about my son, um, cultural Christianity is dying if it's not dead already. Like, people don't just accidentally think they should go to church anymore. So in order for my little boy, when he's 34 years old like I am, to want to follow this Jesus, he's going to need to be like, my dad washed people's feet. My dad served other people. Because if not, if he just sees me preaching this stuff and my life looks like serve me, serve me, serve me in my house, he's like, I don't want my dad's Jesus. We got to be weird. Like, we're not the majority. (laughs) I hate to tell you, we have to live like Christ, and it works. It works. You'll be blessed if you do it, and everyone will know and be without excuse. Jesus is our perfect example of that. Everyone will know. So today, we're going to respond, and we're going to take communion. Um, But... Pastor Dustin's going to come and lead us in that, but I want us to look at 1 Corinthians 11 because we're going to examine ourselves and we're going to have a time of prayer and a time of repentance um, and think about these questions and contemplate what it means to be like Jesus in this. But also, this is the perfect way to realign ourselves uh, with what Jesus is asking is to consider his death. That's what communion is. His body broken for me, his blood shed for me, um, and that's what we're going to do today. But 1 Corinthians eleven twenty seven does say this. So then whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sin against the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself. In this way, let him eat the bread and drink the cup. For whoever eats and drinks without recognizing the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. Uh, so I want to invite everybody just to bow your head wherever you're at or this altar is open. Um, As we take communion, that is for those who have put their saving faith in Jesus Christ. If you want to know more about Jesus, you can come find me or come Pastor Dustin uh, because he died for you. He did these things for you, washed our feet. But today we need to examine ourselves. Uh, There could be blatant sin you need to repent of, but you can also ask the Holy Spirit to let you know and to convict you of sin that you can't even see. What a gift. The things I can't see, my blind spots, the Holy Spirit is loving enough to point them out to me. But today we need to come before the throne um, with clean hearts and praise the Lord for his blood because his blood is sufficient to wipe away every sin, every bad thought to forgive us of those things. He is faithful and just. So today I'm gonna leave you with this, just a few minutes to examine yourself, um, to pray and to seek forgiveness before we take the Lord's Supper. So. Let's take a time to do that.